Hi there, welcome to the Cage Equation with Malcolm Mickelson and me, Drake Mickelson. Each episode, we assign where the blame lays and spoiling a perfect Nicholas Cage performance. To apply the Cage Equation, we start with Cage's perfect 100 and subtract the Metacritic score, which gives us a points nick that we will split between the director, writer, and Cage stars. This episode, we watched Season of the Witch, which was released in 2011, directed by Dominic Senna and written by Braga Shoot, starred Nicolas Cage, Ron Perlman, and Claire Foy. It was a merciful 95 minutes with a budget of $40 million, made $91 million worldwide, so it made its money back, had a Metacritic score of 28 to give us 72 points, nicked points to blame. In Season of the Witch, Nicolas Cage is Sir Beanham of Blurbrook, who is accompanied by Sir Pelson, played with Panache by Ron Perlman. This buddy night duo rollicks through the crusades until Beekerman, or Bleakman, becomes disillusioned by killing the women and children after writing back to a Europish slash plague ruined country that they are caught and roped into by a CGI tumored Count Dooku into helping the church transport an accused witch who is blamed for the plague to a monastery to hold a witch trial. Sir Blayblade and Felsen complete with the dangerous trek to find a monastery which has also been plagued in a shocking twist while trying to use the Book of Solomon on the witch it is discovered she's not a witch but possessed by a demon. The demon appears, incinerates Felsen, mortally wounds Sir Benny of the Jets, and after being destroyed by the spell of Solomon, they cue the voiceover with a graveside service and end the movie. Malcolm, how did you like the movie? I liked I liked everything where it was just Ron Perlman and Nick Cage going back and forth with their accents sometimes. Um, sometimes they had an accent, and sometimes Ron Perlman would talk like Yoda. I think... In a in to try to make it seem like it's funny, but uh, he just took on Yoda's phrasing of things. He had and he had a smile on his face, like he knew he's doing the whole time too. They both did. They both looked like they were having the most fun. They had, it was just him and Ron Perlman and green screen and whoever the other people were. I don't. There's like four other characters. Yeah, and yeah, nobody knew who any of them were. I looked him up and I was like, oh, these are halfway known people. I mean, Ron Perlman is great. Nicholas Cage is great. Yeah, and then um, the other cool part about this movie is you don't really know what the evil thing is till the end, I guess. But I think they fight zombies at one point, and then like Wol- hellhounds Wol- or something. They wolves, fought yeah. wolves. I don't know. Did they even was it zombies? I don't even think they fought zombies. They just went through the forest. I just remember someone getting sh- shot like in the head, uh-huh. and then they like came back to life. But there was no payoff to it because he came back to life and died immediately. I think it was supposed to make it seem like a more deadly enemy. But instead, it just died. Oh, that was when they found the mass grave. I love the fact that we saw this movie like two, two, three days ago. And once again, cannot remember anything that happened in it. I told you before the show that I I forgot Christopher Lee was in it, which is amazing because he's one of three people I know. I know Ulrich Thompson. I feel like I've seen that actor before. So maybe four people I know in the show. Yeah, Ulrich Thompson and then uh oh Robert Sheehan. He's the the kid, the knight, the one the wannabe knight. He's, he's in, in Umbrella um, Academy. Yeah, he's 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 hilarious in that. And then this one, once again, oh, and then the other guy that was in there was Stephen Graham, who played um was in Snatch, played Tommy in Snatch. Oh, yeah, yeah. 
who had one of the thickest accents I've ever heard in any movie at all. And then he gets into this movie and has no accent at all anywhere. He's probably confused. I he probably had an accent in his head and then he showed up. He's like, this is a medieval accent. And then he heard everyone else talking and said, I'm going to play it safe, I think. It reminds me of the, the other one that ever. I mean, it was a much bigger movie than this, but um, Kevin Costner and Robin Hood. Yes. And they had the same problem where Kevin Costner starts off with an accent, then halfway through, I think he just said, I'm not doing this anymore. And everyone yeah. just kind of followed his, you know, until the uh, English king showed up as Sean Connery with a Scottish accent, which made. <laughs> so the whole movie to me felt like they, it was just one person and then like a stand in and a green screen. But it wasn't that. And I know it wasn't that because the CGI was so bad. I could tell every time they even green screen someone's armor. So they must all have been around each other. But you would, if you just clipped it and played the the way everyone's speaking, you would think it's a different movie every time you press play. Yeah. And I think a lot of that happened. I mean, I think we both researched a little bit. Extensive reshoots. They. I, it was funny because the guy who um, directed it actually did it, like went and traveled throughout Europe like staking out all the places he wanted to do the movie in and everything else. And I mean, spent all this time to get, get it done. Dominic Senna. And then when he got done, they took half of it away from him anyway, and just went ahead and had, I think Brett Ratner of rush hour. rush hour. Yes. Shoot it. So yeah, it's a, you can tell there's, yeah, it's just a hundred different pieces stitched together into a Frankenstein. Do you think that they, added the accents in or that they took the accents out i'm guessing it's obvious one director had them do one thing and the other one had them do the other i'm guessing brett ratner got there and said guys let's just get this over with let's say mm -hmm. the lines I, i'm guessing he would probably be the person who would be like oh, let's not worry about accents because all the crusade parts at the beginning the little montage of the crusades they there there's no accents in any of them except for the guy talking like a stereotypical like catholic priest from that time is the voice he's doing but no one else has has anything going on. They just talk normal. So I didn't realize there was going to be like them trying to make it a period piece <laughs> until I think like 20 minutes into the movie. Well, yeah, it's like 1300s too. I mean, I think historically speaking, if you were actually going to do accents, no one would, we wouldn't understand anything they said because I think you don't have to have an accent in any of this stuff if you don't want to. And I don't think Nicolas Cage's forte is probably accents anyway, other than, of course, his famous Southern draw. Like molasses, more pouring out your mouth. So I thought Nicholas Nicholas Cage is really fun. Him and yeah, him and Ron Perlman together would have been great. Um, unfortunately, at the end of the movie, spoiler alert, they are no longer with us. But I would. How about we just make a time traveling buddy um, night duo going through with these two, putting like five movies in a row. Yeah, I don't. I don't get they. They used. The best part of the movie they used so little of, which was just them two talking. And I would I would watch that again. It was really fun for like, there's like 10 minutes, I'd say, of them talking. Yeah. And then and then it's over. And then it's just the awful action scene after awful action scene. Well, um, I don't even know if it's an awful action scene after awful action scene after awful action scene. Because there's only three. Oh, well, yeah, after, that's true. After How the whole long thing. is this movie? It's it an hour, like, and hour and a half. Okay. Have I already asked that? I think I forgot again. No, no. I just, I literally went back and watched it. I was like, 
how long was this? Because it seemed like it was one of those movies that you were going to be like, how much keep how much longer of this we have to go? Fortunately, somebody, well, the movies, the movie studio who sent the second director in and said, edit this down to as little as possible. Let's get so people are in and out and they're done with it. We don't want them to have to live, you know, live through any more of this than they than absolutely necessary. But yeah, but Nicholas Cage, Nicholas Cage is fun. Um, his sword fighting skills, maybe not the best. Uh, he did learn how to ride a horse, though. Yeah, I think basically his entire writing thing was once again, they're doing the green screen with him and Ron Perlman. Obviously, somebody either they're saying on something where they're just kind of making it move or mm-hmm. they're literally making themselves look like they're writing. You think he negotiates those things in where he's like, oh, my character ride the horse. So you have to pay for me to to ride a horse to learn how to ride a horse now i don't know i i'm sure he would he loves to do that stuff i don't know if i was if i was an actor and i had a chance to ride a horse i i probably would i'm i'm surprised he doesn't he didn't know how to already you would think somewhere in his movie career i can't think of him on horseback another time though no he hasn't done a western and he hasn't done any other night movies so he's gone to a western yes the old ways i think is what it's called have you watched trailer for the old ways yet um yeah, I did. I can't remember much. <laughs> yeah, remember? so it's it's like um, he's a, I think he's, it gave me similar vibes. Like they're going for like almost the when he gets pulled out, like one last time from retirement, and it's going to be a grizzled old man and a young girl. Uh huh. Yeah, unforgiven. <laughs> well, there's only like three plots in most westerns anymore that you can do. Yeah, that's fine. I'm excited for it. The mustache looks awesome. <laughs> Yeah, it's, I, that's another thing I'm amazed they've never done more mustaches with Nicolas Cage. Things Nicolas Cage should be doing. This one he had kind of uh, he had kind of that you know almost six a little bit more than six o'clock shadow. He was he was somehow maintaining a beard length of like centimeters in medieval time. A very well manicured beard also during it, which I I think there was a scene where he didn't have his beard also. Yeah, the early scenes they went they well they flashed through. I think that those first uh, ten minutes was supposed to cover like what seven to eight years, if you watch yeah. the, the dates. But his uh, at one point I think he has his beard still, and then like in the middle of it, I don't know, it must have been a reshoot. He just has a goatee, and then I think it goes back <laughs> to a beard. I wonder what movie he was other movie he was doing at the time, or maybe he just hates having facial hair. Or maybe he like uh, you were talking about the um with the goatee. Maybe he had the goatee for another movie. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Well, how oh, when did this come out? 2011? Eleven. Drive Angry. For some reason, I feel like you might have a goatee in that. Yeah. Seeking Justice. Mm-hmm. Trespass. Pass. Oh, he had just done Kick Ass. Uh huh. Like in the same time period. But that was a mustache movie. Yeah, but I'm wondering if he like the they filmed it and then they did the reshoots around kick ass and he's like oh the most i can do is is this like i can't i don't know <laughs> no, sorcerer's be... apprentice did it would they have facial hair in that um no i don't think he did this isn't our most interesting aside we can, <laughs> <laughs> we can go. this is the if i ever talk to him this is the question we'll ask him about your facial hair when you were doing reshoots did you have to yeah. Yeah. this is the one question we want answered we have to be closing in on being. I I think the other podcast we found that had, that watched or talked about Nicholas Cage, none of them last. None of them had the lasting power of us. No. And so I think we're now the lead podcasters about Nicholas Cage. <laughs> I mean, who we else stuck is? it out. 
you know, when we're, we're two seasons deep. We're long. It's longevity. It's not a sprint. Yeah. And we're constantly evolving. We'll never get stale. No. Not like all those other ones. I don't know where I was going with that. We can talk about whatever you want. <laughs> all right. So we're to the point where we're going to probably start assigning some blame here. Do we want to start with the, let's start with the, with the co-stars because I think we're going to probably end up talking the most about the director and the writer. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe it was Stephen Graham's character. One of them looks like, have you ever seen the video of Stuart Townsend or the, the picture of Stuart Townsend when he was supposed to play Aragorn in Lord of the Rings? Yeah. Yeah. That's what one of them looked like. That, that was, was a, that was Eckhart. I think it was the older monk. I'm guessing. Yes. He had yeah. like the same awful haircut that yeah. they, they had on him. Yeah. And it was an awful haircut. I don't even know what. Yeah. That was another thing you could go through is the number of haircuts that everybody had. Nicholas Cage, of course, had the feathered longish haircut. Uh, Ron Perlman was, just had the Ron Perlman haircut. I don't know what that's. Yeah, Nicholas Cage looked like, uh, like especially with his his fur armor, he looked like Sean Bean. Yeah, he could have been. Yeah, he, he could have been in Game of Thrones. His armor been. looked awesome too. It looked like it was from Game of Thrones. His big fur thing he's riding. Uh-huh. Uh, I think on maybe the poster for it, or one yeah. of the big scenes from it, he's riding on his horse. The one problem I had was the helmet at the in the opening. Oh, ones. the helmets were <laughs> awful. <laughs> Nicholas Cage's was was off kilter, so it, like it didn't cover his nose. And then Ron Perlman's looked like they found a helmet that was like three sizes too small, and just kind of stuffed his head on top of it. I it that couldn't have been on purpose at all. No, that and um, you know, part of it it did look more like the helmets. I think it was to save money, probably. But instead of going with like the stylized helmets that you see in a lot of medieval movies, it looked like what like. Some of the things I've seen in museums, like uh, not full knights, but like their squires helmets are kind of like shoddily made. And it looks like someone made like 100 helmets and threw them in a pile. Yeah. And so like, oh, one of them will fit you. And if it doesn't, just like make it work. I don't really care. You're going to die soon anyways. Well, Ron Perlman's didn't fit. No, it did not. (laughs) He had to be in pain that entire time they were shooting it because it was just squeezed in there badly. It almost looked like a leather helmet or like a leather hat on top of him that had been like spray painted silver. <laughs> like it didn't look like a helmet at all. <laughs> Real quick with Ron Perlman. Yes. And since we're talking about the cage stars, why I feel like Ron Perlman should have been like the shady. I, he was in a lot of big movies, I know, but I feel like he should have been even bigger, especially after Hellboy. I feel like he he just plays his character so well do you think he just doesn't want to do a lot of stuff he did um sons of anarchy which he seemed to like a lot he was around sons of anarchy for a long time i think he might be too much of a one-note actor i don't know he also had another one where he played a judge another series where he played a judge for for i think that lasted for two seasons it's hard to tell i think he might also be difficult to work with maybe a little bit i'm not sure what's going on he's a very outspoken politically but is he uh, yeah, but not on, on from the left side. He says a lot, he said a lot of bad words about Trump. Oh, okay. That were not printable. So I'd, I'd much rather that. Um, <laughs> he's in the blacklist for two episodes. Yeah, yeah. He doesn't have a huge. I am so I'm wondering if he's either at either he just doesn't want to do that much work, or 
I'm sure he does voiceovers all over the place, though. He does. Uh, he's played um, Deathstroke a lot. And he also did um, Payday 2. He was yeah. he did a bunch of voice lines. It does seem like he did Conan, but I, he just seems to do stuff he likes. Yeah, the Conan one was that was one that they botched badly. Yeah, it really was. I forget who they cast as Conan. Moa. Momoa. Moa. Yeah. Aquaman. And that was before he had like even I don't think he's a great actor by any stretch now, but he was he's gotten significantly better over his last few roles ever since he uh played something that wasn't just him silently staring at the camera looking big. Yeah, he's funny. And they use that. And as long as they as long as he doesn't have to improvise his stuff, he's pretty good. They're gonna they were talking about him for Whoa. oh, he's gonna play a different DC character. Lobo. Lobo. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm I'm really excited about the fact that he's gonna I don't think they'd use that character if it wasn't for Jason Momoa. Yeah. If they're staking their no new DC universe. Because I think Aquaman they're saying is the last movie from like the older regime. And then Zack Snyder's basically been put out from the the yeah. scripting of things. Oh thank goodness. I don't know. I just why don't you just keep doing Batman? You seem to have an understanding of Batman. I don't understand that either. Maybe maybe Batman's so big that it has its own like its own people over it, kind of like in Marvel does, and they didn't have the same thing for Star Wars. So Star Wars was worse. But yeah, I don't know why Batman's so much better every time. He's a better character. It's just easier to make a character with that way. Because it I mean, with Superman and then Aquaman is let's face it, is a little silly. I mean, they had yeah. to, they have to spend a lot of time trying to make him look cool, and then they send him down to Atlantis, and none of that's cool at all. Okay. Anyway, what was the movie we were talking about again? Oh, uh, we were talking about season of which? Oh yes, season of Lord of the Rings with Stuart Townsend. Yeah, with Stuart Townsend and nobody, no and one no, else, everyone no one else. else. He's such an ass. Um. Okay. Oh yeah, yeah. That was there's my. The only other comment I have on Ron Perlman is uh -huh. he, how did they not cast him in the G.I. Joe movie? He I, looks I, like an action figure. It's the, you make him, make his name like Pon Rollman or something like that. I would just put Pond him in every, Rollman. just, he's one of those people that you would just cast in every movie you could. Yeah. I mean, he, he'd be the guy, I mean, oh, I, we've got to go pick up our guns. We'll have him pick up the guns. But, I mean, whatever time you need a gruff old guy with a voice. Just put him in there. He should be cashing checks right and left doing stuff like that. So it's kind of be a choice. I think he just probably just has a family and stuff and just doesn't really want to do stuff unless he really cares about it. Or Nicolas Cage is in it. Yeah, so outside of him, though, uh, no one else really, I, much less than fine. I would say the major characters on screen. Um, the girl was the most oh. confusing character I've ever, I don't, I still don't know what was going on there. Oh, she's so boring too. Even when she's trying yeah. to be, I mean, she's, she wasn't creepy at all. She tried to be creepy. She wasn't creepy. Then she tried to be seductive. She wasn't seductive. She tried um, to do a voiceover, and the voiceover was one of the worst parts of the movie. Yeah, and that's what we ended on. Um, I feel like we're being really mean to Claire Foley right now. Well, she went on. She's had success. She did a good job. She played the Queen of England. I don't. I don't even think it's her fault. You know, I'm giving her all this criticism. But no line she uttered was scary. And what did she do? She she howled for some wolves to come. Um, yeah. And then did she turn those wolves into wolves with bigger snouts? And they all had the same. Um, they would look at the camera and then they'd roar and then they'd do the same little transformation, yeah, yeah. fuzzy face thing. And each one of them did it. And then they, they showed the next to, one. Hey, we paid money for this. We got to stick it in as much as possible. 
Yeah, I, I think it's our budget was that animation. And it was really I, important that it was in the movie. The other half the budget was like one or two of the crusades, but not the other two. Yeah. Like two of them were significant. The first and second was significantly better than um ah no, the desert one was really bad. The desert one looked like um Scorpion King. And then there was like the one where they I think it was Ron Perlman hit somebody and they flew like 20 feet through the air sideways. And it's like, so I, oh gosh. That was with a sword too. He had him with a, not with a hammer or mace or anything. He had him with a sword. Okay. So yeah, none of the actors were, I, no, nobody was good. I mean, they weren't bad, but they also weren't good. Other than Ron Perlman and Nicolas Cage. Mm-hmm. Um, the big cameo with Christopher Lee, which you couldn't see it was Christopher Lee because they piled once again CGI on top of his face to make, make him look like he had a plague. Creepy, I guess. Well, he had the plague. He had the same plague everyone that's, else had. That no one, but it was a plague that only affected him that way. Everyone else didn't. That didn't happen to. Was well, he the one in the bed? Yes. Okay. Good. I just want to double check. <laughs> But it was, you can't, yeah, you can't tell at all. That's a, maybe that's why I forgot he was in this movie. Because um, it, it's definitely just one big mask. Everything except for like his his left lip was a piece of prosthetic. And so only his lower jaw would move. Everything, nothing else would move. No, it was, it wasn't prosthetic though. Go back and watch it again. It was all CGI. No. It was all CGI. I'll click through the photos, but I'm not going back to watch that. <laughs> Well, it might have been CGI, but they CGI'd up. It was awful. Um, an expressionless prosthetic on its face. Uh, man, I'm clicking through these clips. I'm, I'm regretting it already. Let me give you the quote here from Nicolas Cage about this. I wanted to make movies that celebrated actors like Christopher Lee and Vincent Price and the great Roger Corman. Classics that are unafraid to explore the paranormal and the supernatural. What you did, they did explore that. I, yeah, I just don't remember how many other movies have been so afraid to explore the paranormal and supernatural. Oh, yeah, and then it turns into kind of a like an exorcism movie. Yeah. I, well, and then it's be- weird because at the beginning, Catholic Church bad, they made me stab a child. But then the ending monologue is how the Catholic Church then goes on and saves the entire Europe. Yeah, with... Because where they were, as far as I remember, was just Europe. I don't think there's ever any specific location in Europe. They they returned to their country of Europe. It was in a for in a forest. There was a forest and there was a mountain. And I don't remember much other than that. And a monastery on. They were in the forest for most of them. There's a desert um, for the Crusades. There's a forest in the mountain, and then there was a house and a bridge. There's one. There's one bridge, bridge. that they use twice, I believe, and, and a shoreline. There was a yeah. shoreline at the beginning. Yeah. These are the highlights, by the way. In case anyone's wondering why we're talking about this, this is the, so, yes, that was the pretty best much. <laughs> okay, well, the, so that's Cage Stars. Uh, which do you want to start with, director or script? Is it the same person? No, it is not. There, there's a the director and. The scriptwriter, two different people. Um, the scriptwriter wrote this in 2000, 11 years before it was published. Yeah. 
And um, I don't know if he's actually even really done much of anything else. Oh, wait, here he is. Yeah, because he also did um, the Escape Room movies. I actually like the Escape Room movies. Yeah, yeah, they were good. And he also did the, uh, was it the Sylvester Stallone Samaritan, which I have not watched, which is on like Netflix or Prime or something like that, where he plays the the old. Yeah, I'm I'm not a big fan of that, that kind of movie. The old yeah. man. Like vigil anti justice superhero, yeah. yeah. If you want to call them that, but they're they, well, I feel like it's gone further and further away from them being like kind of like flawed heroes to where they're just dislikable human beings, yeah. It's it's kind of all of a takeoff of the boys and like three other things, anyways. Anyways, so he has done a little bit, but not much. The director, however, Dominic Senna, I should say, the the guy, the writer, writer was Braga Shoot. Dominic Senna has done actually some pretty good movies. California, that's with a K. Um, that was his first one. That was with, I believe, Brad Pitt and David Duchovny or something like that. Anyway, it was a pretty good movie. Gone in 60 Seconds with Nicolas Cage. Timeless classic. Swordfish, which had John Travolta and was famous because it paid um, Halle Berry a million dollars to be topless for exactly 10 seconds in the movie. And that was basically the only thing anybody knew about it. He's done um, a bunch of music videos, though. Yeah, that was where he really, yeah. Janet Jackson, um, Brian Adams. I would say half of the half of the 80s was on MTV was him. It was somehow, um, and obviously because he's done these other things, he actually kind of knows what he's doing. He knows how to set up a camera. And yet every single shot was like the most boring thing I'd ever seen, no matter what was going on. It, he somehow, you don't even think, when they ride their horses, it's a still shot. Like yeah, it, but, it was so easy to even like give it a little action to it, but everything's like the camera was set. But I think that was actually the reshoots because that was all the green screen stuff. What I was always talking about, like, I think they're pretending like they're writing yeah. while they're talking to each other with the green screen behind them. And, I don't know. I just, you always talk about, they always talk about like directors that have these great, you know, be able to great eye and they can really bring things alive and everything. And it's almost like he actually killed every single scene he was filming. He found the, the one angle that would make this as boring as possible. I wish I could know which scenes were his. I, think I just, I, I don't think there's any way. No, I would venture to guess the bridge scene was his. Uh-huh. That scene had, I think, the most like personality out of any of it. But then after that, I don't. That bridge seemed like sat apart from the other two because it was kind of a, not a well done, but it was it was kind of like showing the brutality of like, oh, I said no, no, no I said your soul will be saved, not you, and they launched them over the side of the bridge to hang them. Oh, you mean the beginning bridge, not the I mean the middle beginning, bridge, bridge. Not the middle, <laughs> the middle bridge. The wooden bridge that they the that is in every action movie. Uh, the, yeah. Yeah, the beginning part was like, yeah, it was a completely different movie. It was The Exorcist, like you were saying. It was like, it was a horror movie. He was filming a horror movie. Then they went back and refilmed it as an action movie and made it even worse than it was before. So I'm guessing the the bridge part was probably that first bridge was probably more what Nicolas Cage was expecting to make, mm -hmm. and then they decided to do a buddy cop film. Which again, if they had just done that, yeah, would also have been awesome. Pick a lane, yeah. 
Yeah, no, that you're right. That was the two things you want to combine: <laughs> the Exorcist and a buddy cop of Nicolas Cage and Ron Perlman. Oh, no. So yeah, I think yeah, that one. I think you're right. That one came out because that was so weird. It didn't even belong in the in the finished movie. It was the bridge scene. Yeah. It so, was... so the reason I thought it belonged, and you've told me I'm wrong about this, is I thought that was the same girl this entire the entire movie, and I kept saying no. I said no, that's the same girl. It has to be the same one because why would they have a demon or whatever she was supposed to be come back, kill the priest, and steal the book if it's not the same one? Yeah, I was very confused, and this could probably go back to the writer on this one. But why was that? They they used that scene to set up the fact that you could use the book, but the book got taken, and so the only other copy was now. I guess it was to make you know that the only other copy was up at the monastery, which is why it was so important. It wasn't spelled out very well. No, so I didn't. I didn't really. I guess I missed the entire point of them going to the monastery was for that book. Yeah. But then I know the other big scene related to that book was when he lights all the desks on fire, and they're like, it takes them a long time to piece together that all these priests surrounding the book were putting, rewriting the book. Why wouldn't you just start? I would start gathering those like right away. I feel like. If it's if you know there's only one copy left. So this I know that I don't know this because I watched the movie. I know this because I read the Wikipedia page. The whole point of the monastery was they were going to copy as many of those books as possible and spread them out throughout the entire right. everywhere so that everybody could have a book and start fighting the demons. Mm-hmm. But I didn't get that at all from watching. The well, movie. the voiceover tells you that. Oh, is that where it was? Okay. The voiceover talks about how the Catholic Church got the book of samaritan or whatever out to or the church sorry solomon, the solomon. The book of solomon out to everyone and <laughs> saved europe yes again all of europe europe is one singular contiguous piece of land and it's one country well it's history too i mean we all remember when the demons were overrunning the land the book of solomon saved i will let you tell me who to blame for this this movie had i believe a witch, zombie-esque things, the hellhounds, and then turns out to be a demon who talks like he's Satan, who then turns into a gargoyle. Yes. I just want to make sure I'm tracking all that. Who's Who, at the end of the day, is? I know someone wrote that into the script, but I think we get into this a lot of, when does the director or the reshoot director say, guys, what are we doing right now? Like, just stop for a second. What are we doing at this moment? I'm going to say it's the writer on this one. Well, okay, there's there's a few people to blame here. The writer never made a clear line through the whole thing, I don't think, I would guess. Then I'm the first director probably shot what the writer said. Then the second director came along and changed it to try and make it more of an interesting movie. But I think at the end of the day, what I see as the main problem with the whole thing is actually not, neither one of those. It's the producer and the CGI artists. CGI artists, because there's a lot of talk in this movie with all the people that made the movie about how much work they put into the demon at the end and how they had to have tattered wings and all these weird things that they were going to do with the demon. And then you see it and it's awful. It's the most horrible. The CGI is awful on this thing. And it was like that was their big buildup was supposed to be coming up to this thing. And whoever made the demon failed it and not only that you didn't even know there was a demon coming 
because you were told it was a witch and it was like a twist ending yeah yeah so that's what i was gonna say i think you missed the point of all that the point <laughs> isn't the visual of the demon the point that <laughs> and pay attention here the point is they called the movie the season of the witch the payoff's not the demon they're not talking about the design of the demon at all the payoff is the, is the plot twist in quotation marks that it is a demon instead of a witch which at any point i don't think we ever see the witch being a witch yeah don't don't worry about the cosmetics of the demon the okay. demon's a plot device only and it was masterfully done because for that entire movie i said i guess it's a witch yeah i guess she's i guess she is a witch they really and did then, pull, yeah they pulled the wool over both of our eyes and the demon wanted to be there because if okay. you pay attention she, she kills anyone who's who might stop her from getting there so she wants to be there yes because the demon, it was like a Kaiser Sose moment. Now that, now you say it, because the whole entire, the demon had a plan. And the plan was to create the illusion of a witch so that the, the Catholic Church would be tricked into bringing the witch to the monastery. Because they thought they had a witch, but really they had a demon who had tricked them to bring them to the monastery so the demon could complete its plan. And destroy the monastery. I think I think I'm moving more and more towards blaming the writers over CGI or director. And the reason why is there's no indication that if it had been a witch, that this would have gone better. <laughs> is there? No. It, there's no indication anyone can handle this witch. Demon or witch, they seem to handle the demon a thousand times easier than the witch. Yeah. The demon pops out, and then they know they can just do an exorcism. The witch gets there, and I guess I guess the book was supposed to tell them a ritual to tell if she was really a witch, but they've already indicated pretty dramatically that they don't have a ritual. They because they talk about the drowning of people, and the people who survived then got killed anyways. Okay, so the director's to blame, but the writers to blame too. So we're going to go with the the writer screwed this up. The story. The story is a story, jumbled mess. I'm going to put the blame onto the writer. Okay. But can because we also say the CGI? I'm going to assume the director filmed that, that bridge scene. I'm going to assume this. And I like what he was doing. And it makes me want to see his movie more than the movie we saw. All right. that That's a fair, fair assessment, sir. Or I could be completely wrong, and it was the reshoots guy that I really like. But the other way, it was a director who shot that scene. So it's obviously the writer's fault. We have to speak in absolutes. We're in the media game. I don't think that beginning scene, I think the beginning scene was what they were trying to shoot. I think that's what it was originally aiming for. And then it got way off track with another bridge scene that was the weirdest bridge scene. Okay, can we also ask a question too? Who decided to put the witch inside of, needed to be inside of a wagon that I guess weighed approximately five tons five tons and it is not secure at all because it's wood on top wood on bottom iron bars at that point if i'm this witch has caused the plague for the entirety of europe maybe maybe a full metal box maybe a small because little it seems that if she makes eye contact with you you're in for a bad time is what they well they say that over and over again but the eye contact doesn't seem important to any of it because she just summons things to kill them 
And she had more room inside that box than I think most people had inside of their houses at that point in history. So I'm not sure why they were affording her room enough to be, it had to be like a 10 by 10 at least, right? Yeah, I think it was like the size, a little like the size of my three bookshelves put together. Yeah, it was ridiculous. Um, Oh, man. Oh, okay. And then the, for the, oh, there's one more thing for the CGI people, though. Oh, the crawling. I, I have this thing. I really hate CGI crawling of like the demonic possession scurrying uh-huh. around stuff. It always looks bad when they're like running up the wall. It never looks good. I don't know why people keep using that. I don't get it. It's awful. Yeah. It's in a bunch of big horror movies, too. It's a trope. It's the worst trope. And I can't believe no one's come up with a better CGI for it. If it is a trope, maybe invest some money into it. Here's another one that was weird. Hey, let's run around and collect all the holy water in the monastery that's stored in these wonderful little bo- bottles. It was like a video game. All vials. Yeah. Yeah. So they have one monk who just sits there all day, every day, filling vials. But isn't all water on sacred ground holy water? It has to be blessed. Okay, but there's like 90 priests. Yeah, you, dead would, now, yeah you would know. think most of the water in there had been blessed at some point. <laughs> a basin? There wasn't a basin of water either to like fill up other stuff. <sighs> How they kill the demon? Didn't they just I, I mean, I may not have watched this movie. I don't know. Everything I've said so far sounds like I made it up. When they got to the end of it, I really, yeah, I kind of, when they killed Felsen, in about three seconds, when he like got the hug from the demon, and then he like had the really bad CGI. Yeah, boom. Yeah, he's uh, gone. so bad. It was the worst way to kill him. They should have just let him get stabbed or something. Their stabbing looked fine. Yeah. <sighs> no, I think he, they they completed the spell, and the demon was vanquished from the book. Which was the whole point why they have to have the book, which I guess is why the demon had to go there to stop the book from being made. But they also had to have the book. For, it, they just have one book for all evil things. No, because don't you remember he was like he was doing the exorcism, and all of a sudden he realized, oh my gosh, I can't. I can't. no, he's doing the he's doing the witch he's doing part. the witch thing, yeah. And then he, he just looked at the demon <clears throat> section. I'm yeah, sure there was a vampire and werewolf section nearby too. Yeah, there's probably there's a cinematic universe to be had. But they can't have it now because they've killed Nicolas Cage. And no, Robert. in no way did they set up a prequel. No. No. I'd watch a prequel of a high budget, Ron Perlman and Nicolas Cage in Crusades. Yes. Or low budget. How about just them not even in, during the Crusades, just in between the fights? Yeah, just like sitting in a tavern by themselves. Yeah. Drinking. Okay, so I, we should start assigning blame here. So we're gonna put the CGI people as a as a possible blame. I've got them in there, mine. Do you want me to? Okay, I'm gonna read off what I have. The 72 points of blame, which is a lot. I put down the director originally I had him for 33, but then I took 10 of those and gave them to the CGI people. So I had 23 director, 28 writer, 10 for the CGI artists, and then the co-stars I gave 11 because they just sat there. Okay. They, they they went to the beach with Nicolas Cage as their son, and they didn't even play volleyball. They just sat there. Give a little shimmy. Yeah, come on, give us something. Um, I'm gonna give 45 to the writers. Woo. Blaming the writers big time on this one. 
because um, the writer store sold this script in 2000 and i have to believe i don't think he did rewrites when he got when it finally got shot so um that leaves me with only 27 which is hard i go five points to the cage stars just because they are hardly on the screen anyways um 10 points to the director and then 12 points to cgi because the cgi was the worst out of those three in my opinion all right that sounds good too um I can you imagine though maybe the writer was working on the script maybe he sold it he's been polishing I, it the whole time i don't want to imagine that because it would make me really sad <laughs> real wrong. quick yes before we end i'm gonna give you i picked up the four worst movies in my opinion that we've watched which are grand isle jiu-jitsu wicker man and knowing i uh -huh. worst movies with the worst metacritic scores because i would still put the rock as maybe the worst movie that we've watched um okay do you do you know off the top of your head and maybe this won't be a fun game where this one ranks compared to those other ones which ones would you put above it which ones would you put below it on Medicare? okay say 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 them again grand isle grand isle jiu-jitsu wicker man knowing okay i'm gonna say that knowing is bit better than this one okay jiu-jitsu is definitely under Oh man, I'd put Grand Isle better than this. Okay, so I'd say Grand Isle's better than this, and um, I'm guessing they scored knowing better than this. I'd rather watch this than knowing. I don't know, would I? I yeah, okay, so that's gonna be my next question. So, where do you put Wicker Man on this above it or below? It? Oh, it's, it's below, it's below, it's below. yeah, okay. So, the actual ratings are Jiu Jitsu at 27, this at 28. Um, Grand Isle at 29, then Wicker Man at 36, and Knowing at 41. But out of those, I think I would rather watch this and Jiu Jitsu more than Wicker Man, Knowing, and possibly Grand Isle also. Yeah. I thought it was more fun still. It was awfully done, but I thought, I think Ron Perlman and Nicolas Cage salvaged it for me. Yeah. Jiu Jitsu was, had some fun stuff in it. It was funny. The problem with yeah, Jiu Jitsu was, was that, yeah, jujitsu. The problem is, is Nicholas Cage isn't in any of it. Oh yeah, <laughs> I think I only remember his scenes too. Um, well, he had like three days of shooting, and then he was gone. <laughs> yeah, he was wearing Rambo the entire time. Um, but yeah, I'd rather watch. I think this and that more than the other three. It surprised me that the other three were the three ranked higher. Okay, so let me ask you this question: Which had a better, worse CGI? this or knowing oh knowing from the fire scene alone was was horrible yeah yeah so the, this one's out there's two things i would say two things in this that were better than anything in knowing um the cgi was so good on the face that i thought it was a prosthetic okay that's that's a pretty low bar i know and then um they did the killing really well like the the fighting kills the stabbing was yeah. really good it was just what, everything with the monsters that looked awful. Which once again goes to the fact that I think the original director did a better job with the movie mm -hmm. than the reshoot. They probably didn't give the reshoots any money, though. They probably just sent them out there with a the camera and told them, you got two days. The scenario I'm imagining is his friend or someone, or like a producer or someone's like, 
hey, you don't have to put your name on it. We won't tell anyone. Can you please just like salvage this together so we can release it and and then write it off as a loss later down the road? Yeah, hopefully, hopefully. Ugh. All right. Okay. Well, there's our rankings. Well, that was it. And thank you once again for listening to Cage Equation. I'm Drake Mickelson with Malcolm Mickelson, and we'll be back again soon. <laughs>